Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude, uh, happy President's Day, happy Democratic Debate Week, dude, happy Nevada Primary, dude. Uh, wow, all very important events. Well, it's not like we have good hockey to talk about. Well, we do have some trades now to talk about, dude. I, I know we were hoping to record yesterday or even Sunday, but because of the holiday, we weren't able to synchronize schedules. But now we are, and lo and behold, something has happened for us to talk about something that we expected to happen. But clearly, this is the big news for Sharks fans, something that was maybe not eagerly anticipated, but certainly anticipated, and that is the trade of Brendan Dillon, this time to a real contender, the Washington Capitals, for two draft picks. And this was preceded by what can only be described as sort of a a sad situation where he kind of choked up after being asked about it. Uh, the previous Sharks game, I guess he knew it was coming. He must have known something. Yeah, I mean, I think he knew he was going somewhere. I, I can't imagine what what that must feel like, dude. You know, you know that you're at your job, and and you have a feeling that you're not going to be at your job anymore, and you've made friends with all these people, and then you're just going to be sent to another company, like that you have no control over it. And you've got to leave your family, your friends, and go work for this other company for six weeks. Now, boo-hoo, Brandon Dillon's making $4 million. Yay, boo-hoo, right? I mean, like, I can hear that side of it. But clearly, I mean, the Sharks fans who watched him have a very emotional reaction to, you know, the trade discussion yesterday after the Florida loss – you know, you can tell that this, you know, he's been part of a Stanley Cup run. He's been part of year after year of playoffs here. And, you know, this has got to be bittersweet for him, for that whole core that's been around for, you know, the five or six years that he's been here. They didn't they didn't close the deal. And um, that's got to be difficult for for them to know that this is, you know, this chapter is coming to an end with him being involved in it. And it's too bad that he likely won't be around. I say likely because it's still possible the Sharks could sign him back as a free agent. But I would say unlikely, especially given the contract situation that they're in with so many other players. And I think we've seen the last days of Brendan Dillon and Teal. But I'm excited for him. He he went to a real contender, a team that could really win the whole thing. And maybe we'll be seeing Brendan Dillon raise the cup in Washington. Right. That's that's the good thing about this transaction is he has as good of a shot as anyone to win the ultimate prize in hockey. And I, I don't think you're being strong enough when you say it's unlikely that he's coming back. There, there's no way he's coming back. There's a almost a zero percent chance he's coming back. The Sharks don't have the cap room. They're heavy on defensemen as it is. They need forwards, and there's going to be plenty of other teams that want to sign him. I, we've seen the last sure. of Brendan Dillon, and it's just it's it's a bummer because he's as as Kurz has said in tweets, and we have talked about in previous podcasts. This is the kind of player that 
that you want to hold on to, especially when a team's right. falling on hard times, right? He plays yeah. physical. He shows up every night. He's willing to step up for other players. And, and he's just sort of one of those blue-collar type guys that you want to see. Yeah, this is why I wouldn't close the door on it completely, dude, is that, you know, I think that there is likely some 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 other moves to happen here, right, in the next six months. And that could clear up cap space if a player like Vlasic is moved, if a player like Burns is moved. Um, if you see one of these pieces move on, well, then could you turn back to Brendan Dillon to fill their roster spot, you know, and provide, you know, steady production for what you know that he is, right? Which is a player that Bob Bugner probably values, someone who's going to show up every single night and give you 100%, which you wouldn't say is happening with some of the members of this team. So uh, I don't think it's a lock that he's not coming back, but I think it's unlikely. And certainly the other news since our last uh, show, dude, is that uh, adding injury to more injury, we're not even adding insults. We're just adding more injuries to current injuries with Eric Carlson breaking his thumb, blocking a shot. We'll be out for the rest of the season. Uh, you know, the season goes is already bad. It gets worse. Um, it's now the Sharks are probably missing what you could say are their three best players. And uh, there's nothing anyone can do about it. I know we had talked about just as a trolling move, the Sharks might want to rip off some wins here because that would put them in a difficult position to make some decisions. Well, soon after that last show, the Sharks get trucked by Calgary and then they lose to Florida. You know, the, the chances were very, very slim before. There are none now. The Sharks are not making the playoffs. And with their, sure, dude, but with three great players out, there's no reason for them to even try. Uh, they're not going to make the playoffs, but I think it should be in fairness, they have won four of their last six games. I mean, like they they went on a road trip and you know beat Winnipeg and Minnesota both on the road. Like I was in shock about both those wins. Actually, um, Min- Winnipeg is in the middle of a uh, a playoff chase, and the Sharks beat them. And then Minnesota in the game after their coach gets fired and their GM basically calls them out and says, if you guys are going to throw a pity party for yourself, then you shouldn't be here. And what did they do? They got shut out by Martin Jones. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't look so good. (laughs) And laid a total turd. So, I mean, I mean, crazy, really, that, that they pulled off both those wins. And I do feel like the team is playing hard. You know, there there is a talent deficit right now, for sure, against many of the teams that they're playing against. You certainly saw that in the Florida loss yesterday. But, um, you, you know, I, I don't think they're just going to roll over and die. And one thing that I, I guess is some silver lining is that we're going to get to see some of these young players now, right? Like, we're, we're going to get to see... Some, we're going to get to see maybe a Jacob Middleton here actually play, you know, 15 games down the stretch. You know, I, I really hope that they play him and not Tim Heed. Like, what's the point? Yeah. We don't need to play Tim Heed. You know, this guy should, shouldn't should be back next year. Um, I'm, we sure should De- see- I'm sure DeBoer's going to want him in Vegas. 
we should see Middleton. Uh, we should see any other Barracuda player. Latunov. Maybe has some sort of NHL future and see who could be part of this franchise next year and in some sort of role. I mean, they need to learn that. They need to use these last these last games to figure that out, dude. Before we move on from Brendan Dillon, I mean, something that I thought that was interesting is, you know, let's talk about the return, dude, because, you know, the Sharks get it. Sharks do not have a first-round pick next year, as we know, and we swallow very hard when we think about forking over what's likely a top five pick to the Ottawa Senators. Yep. But um, the Sharks pick up a 2020 second rounder. Now we've got two seconds uh, and a conditional third, which will be based on how the caps do. Um, they, it could be anything from next year's 2023rd rounder to worst case, the 2021 third rounder. Sharks retain half of Dylan's salary. Um and I think it's no coincidence that we saw uh, a run on D after what I'm assuming is, you know, teams falling out of the Brendan Dillon race, right? The Jets trade for Dylan DeMello for a third. Scandella goes to the Blues, who had to do something with the unfortunate situation with Jay Bowmeister for a second and a fourth. Yep. They must have been unwilling to meet the price. And Vegas is reportedly closing in on Alec Martinez for two seconds, which I think we can pretty much assume that Doug Wilson would never deal Brendan Dillon to Vegas. And maybe he wouldn't deal Brendan Dillon to St. Louis either. True. You know, I, I think this is the best case scenario for Doug Wilson in that Brendan Dillon could be sent to a good situation and they got a, you know, a good return and they're not going to see him hooked up with a Western conference foe, right? Yeah. You got, that's, that's more return than I expected. Of course, you know, you have these visions of uh, first round picks dancing in your head when you think about the, the market, but that's really, uh, that's really not the next step up from a second round pick is a first round pick. There's a second round pick and other things and a second round pick plus a third round pick definitely does not equal a first round pick. And I think it's pretty clear that, Brendan Dillon, while a very useful player, and I'm sure the Caps are very happy to have him, a first-round pick was too much to ask. But but you're right. Your your first reaction, I think, was this is similar to the Douglas Murray trade that happened years ago to Pittsburgh, although that deal was actually for two second-round picks. But still, this is this is more return than I think we expected. Maybe we expected a second-round pick and a player, but a second and a third-round pick is is pretty close, depending on the the quality of the prospect, right? It's, it's sometimes it's really hard to evaluate some of these prospects, depending sure. on their age, in, uh, injury history, you know how they've been performing, all this kind of stuff. It's hard, and and maybe you just rather have the pick, so you get to choose the player. Yeah, I think that that's well. The Sharks have been so good at that lately, but um, <laughs> you we, know we're gonna um, talk about that later too. Uh, the 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 Andy Green trade to to the Islanders for a second and a you know a a player in Quinville who was like a seventh round pick and is sort of flaming out at the AHL level you know this is a better return than that so um, yeah I mean given the situation I think that Doug Wilson did well and the question now is what's next dude I mean what do you think happens next anything. Um, do you think there'll be even more moves? Do you think it will be there'll be something surprising that happens where Doug Wilson actually buys 
in a, in a, in a way to get a, a player that's under term. What do you, where, where do you think this is going? Honestly, I'd be surprised if there's any more surprises. I think Doug Wilson is in a sell mode. He's going to get rid of players. I mean, maybe the weirdest thing that could happen is he finds a way to move one of these contracts, but I I would be shocked if he adds any significant cap hit or any significant player because there's just no flexibility for it right now. At this point, I think Doug Wilson has to get rid of stuff before he can add stuff. And um, I, I would be shocked. Are you thinking something else? Could he add something? What would he add? Well, I, I, I think that it's just interesting. Um, Kevin Kurz has kind of floated this notion that with the option of putting Hurdle and Carlson on LTIR, that the Sharks can sort of weaponize their cap space and take on other teams' excess um, expiring salary for assets. You know, if uh, you've got a team that wants to make a move, but that their trade partner can't take on salary, maybe the Sharks will take on a $2 million expiring player in exchange for some sort of draft pick. They're just accumulating picks and paying for them, which is, we've seen the San Francisco Giants do that this year, where they basically bought Anaheim's uh, first round pick from last year in exchange for taking a crap overplayed player. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, the Sharks don't want to be on the hook for that. You know, they, they don't have the ability to do that over time, right? Where they're going to take like a David Clarkson or something like that. But sure. Um, or I guess they could do something like that. A player that's permanently injured that they're just going to stash on, uh, you know, if P- Plotner wanted to buy back a first round pick, right? I mean, that to me, this is the long term goal, right? Doug Wilson has got to be so steamed and embarrassed about losing this first round pick that I think he is hell bent on getting a first round pick in, in the draft in 2020. I think he is hell bent on it. And I think he'll find a way. I, I think that he's, you know, for them to have a top five pick and not get it like is so embarrassing that I think he's going to find a way to get that pick, not that, not the equivalent back, but something. And I don't know that it'll happen in the next week, but I do think before the draft, I think he's going to get that. He's going to get a pick. He'll be drafting in the first round somehow. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there was the interview with Doug Wilson Jr. by Kevin Kurz in the article this past week. And he asked him, he said, how frustrating is it that you don't have a first round pick? And he says, it doesn't phase me because we have Eric Carlson. Now, I, he's not his dad, uh, but um, he really sort of downplayed that. He said, I'd trade a first round pick for Eric Carlson 100 out of 100 times. And uh, he said, actually, he hopes Ottawa gets a good one because he'd rather have good players in the Eastern Conference rather than the Western Conference. He's hoping Ottawa will have a better pick than LA or Anaheim. I don't, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if he's uh, talking his book, as uh, the investment community likes to say, where you own a bunch of stocks and then you say how great they are. But um, I, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's, that's possible. A, that's, that's an it's it's an asinine statement to me, dude. Like, <laughs> like how 
the Golden State Warriors are perennial champion contenders in this year due to injury and losing one of the best players in, in the NBA, Kevin Durant. They stink. Like they are one of the worst teams in the NBA and will likely have a pick that is either is in the top three if they if the lottery falls the way it's supposed to. Okay. So that wasn't supposed to happen. That wasn't the plan. Similar to the Sharks, right? Not the plan. They're not supposed to be bad this year. They're supposed to be in the playoffs. Everybody thought they were going to be in the playoffs. And now you're not in the playoffs. You have a a mix of players that is most definitely questionable with some major long-term issues in key positions and your team is so bad you would be picking in the top five and you're not going to have the ability to add a player that could be a, a transformative talent to this roster in an inexpensive deal. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I don't know if you could go back and if I told you this was how this Eric Carlson deal was going to work out, would you want them to make the trade? Probably not. Probably not. No. <laughs> of course not. Like if you if if it was Eric Carlson plus a top five pick, I don't know if I would have wanted to do that. Eric Carlson, Chris Tierney, and Dylan Demello for a top five pick and and a top five pick for Eric Carlson. Ah, no thanks. Yeah, I I don't know that you know you you go back and you look at the things that that have been completely exposed here, right? The Sharks' lack of roster depth, like is completely exposed. They forfeited Tierney, a quality NHL forward, right? Um, Not perfect, but a quality young player. Dylan DeMello, who's developed into a legitimate NHL defenseman who just got traded for a third-round pick, right? Yep. You, You walked away from Jonas Donskoy. You had to trade Justin Braun. And you walked away from your captain, Joe Pavelski, basically to get – and you gave up the ability to draft a top five talent in one of the deepest drafts in re- recent memory in exchange for one player. When you put it like that, it doesn't sound so good. I'm just saying. No, it doesn't. So that's why I just think oh, like Doug Wilson Jr. needs to like – that's that's not a I I, I guess is he I, just, I guess is he just, in his position you would say that too because you're going to defend your your company moves but I just don't know that the Sharks' lack of roster depth has been just completely exposed you know and uh, they gambled on the young players being able to fill the voids and they weren't able to. And they overvalued their own system. It didn't work out. Those guys did not step up. Now, hopefully we'll see them take some steps here at the end of the year where they, you know, I really hope that they start to get a lot of ice time. You know, let's see True. Let's see Letanoff. Let's see Gambrell. Let's see, you know, any of these guys who might be NHL ready because they've really swung and missed on some of these guys. Sue Amela's, you know, I had high hopes for him. Seems like a total bust. Yep. You got to say Marcus Sorensen is basically a bust at this point, right? 
mean, he's been yeah. he's been bad. I mean, yeah, it's it's frustrating. They've got a lot of refreshing to do. Now, Doug Wilson's been successful in this before, right? Yep. He he refreshed successfully and got them back and got them to the Cup finals. So, you know. Hopefully he's got a little bit more magic in him, dude. Let's let's talk about before we go too close to the cliff edge here, because I I, I think uh, and if you read the comments on that interview from with Doug Wilson Jr., people are pretty incensed. They're like, this guy needs to be fired immediately. He has no idea what he's talking about. But I, I tend to take a, a little bit more of a of a of this is a a, a public relations uh, situation and. and it wouldn't. It wouldn't serve anybody well. It wouldn't serve him or the organization or even those players well for him to come out and say, "Yeah, all of our guys at the AHL level are bums. You know, they're never gonna. <laughs> they're never gonna amount to anything. Right. You know, you know. I, I wish we could trade Eric Carlson back for the assets we gave up. And of course, I would they're take never that, gonna say that. Uh, yeah, no, you can't. You can't say, say that. that. So it, it doesn't necessarily. I don't necessarily think it's obvious that he really believes what he says. He's trying to put a, a good face on it. Um, <laughs> so I'm not so sure that's true. And, and plus, you know, he does actually physically see all these players. So I'm not sure, you know, people on the internet are going to be more informed about this than Doug Wilson Jr. But that doesn't necessarily mean everything he says is exactly what he thinks. So that's what I would say about that. But the other thing that's happened, dude, is, is, is we've talked about the coach situation for the Sharks the last few weeks since Bob Bugner, you know, took over late last year and the Sharks are clearly going to miss the playoffs now. And another coach was fired. And the first thing you texted me when Bruce Boudreaux was fired was Bruce Boudreaux is going to be the coach of the Sharks. Do you honestly believe that? Or are you just... No, I, I, I did it because I knew it would make you upset. Yeah, well, it did. <laughs> um, well, dude, I mean, I, I, I'm wrong about a lot of things, but I was right about this. I knew this was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, and... The timing of it was really stupid. Boudreaux was a lame duck coach. He was not going to come back. Garen wanted to pick his own guy. I thought, you fire Boudreaux now. The only thing that makes sense is that it was because he wanted to make a move immediately for Gallant or LaViolette or Babcock to make sure that nobody got him. But he didn't do that. Right. So, um, very strange. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's... It's going to be really interesting to see what Doug Wilson's going to do because I feel bad. I, I, I like Bob Bugner and I don't know that he's been put in a fair position, but it's not like the team has gotten, you can't say, oh, they're better than they were when it was Pete DeBoer. Like maybe the best thing that's happened under Bugner is that he finally walked away from Martin Jones and let Arendelle play the majority of the games and at least have let them be competitive, but which DeBoer just seemed unwilling to do. But uh, I don't know, dude. I mean, it, it put you on the spot right now is what's more likely Bugner returns or one of these high profile coaches is in San Jose next year. I, I like Bob Bugner too. And I think he's, done a fine job with a terrible situation and i think he has no chance of being here next year honestly unless love unless all of these high profile coaches that you mentioned 
are all gone by the end of the season and they're all signed. You know, the way Pete DeBoer was quickly signed by the Vegas Golden Knights. If La Violette goes to one of these places, if he goes to Minnesota or something, I, the Sharks will never sign Babcock. There's just way too much baggage there. And that seems to be completely against the values and the culture of San Jose. I, Babcock would be beyond shocking uh, if he comes here. But, um, you know, Boudreaux, I know you're no fan. I, you know, it's it certainly, you look at his, at his record, his playoff record doesn't look great. You know, he had, he's, no. he's been the coach of some really, really good teams and they have not done well. Like, you know, president's cup winning Washington Capitals. They lose in the first sure. round, this kind of stuff. Not good. Not good. I like Bruce Boudreaux. I, I like him. I thought he was hilarious in the, um, the, the Capitals, like the NHL, yeah. documentary yeah the behind the scenes thing it's great he's great like he seems like I, I like the i think he would be quite a character to have around you know and i think regular season his teams do well um but they they don't close the deal they don't win big games and that's not exactly the mo you want around a franchise that doesn't close the deal it doesn't win big games. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like that's not really what you want. So, um, it's a tough call, man. Like, I mean, I think uh, if the Sharks are going to be stubborn about sticking with this, you know, double barrel gun of Burns and Carlson, then maybe Boudreaux is the answer because he's the most offensive minded of those guys, right? Like it's true. And maybe he can figure out a way to utilize their talents together, which so far no one's really been able to do that. <clears throat> so um, the sharks do seem to lack some creativity on offense and they certainly aren't lacking weapons. So um, maybe Boudreaux would help with that. Um, would he help them win in June? I don't know, but uh, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. I don't know. I mean, I think both of us agree if we could choose between that pile, we would pick La Violette. No question. Uh, um, but does Peter La Violette want to come to San Jose? Right. They're very right. well, could be better jobs out there for him. Because you got to think that he's at the top of the, the tree, right? And there's going to be Minnesota. There's going to, I mean, I would think Calgary is going to be an option, although I don't know that they're a better option than San Jose. And, you know, would you, do you want to live in Calgary? Like, I mean, like, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's not fair, but I've never been to Calgary. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, San Jose does have that going for it, right? That you you could live in the Bay Area, which is an incredible place to live. So um, for someone who's, you know, he just finished living in Nashville, which is also a really fun place to live, like he might not want to go from Nashville to Minnesota. Right. Right. Like That could be kind of brutal. So um, I agree. I don't think Bob Bugner – is going to be the coach here next year. And uh, I don't know how they could. I don't know how they could do that. There's been no real improvement. So dude, they got to go with someone else. Dude, here's another thing. Apparently, <laughs> Logan Couture has been skating a little bit. Do you even bring him back? Why? Let me put it another way. 
why would you bring him back this season, right? This is a serious ankle injury. They can haunt players for years after they come back. What would be the benefit in Logan Couture rejoining this team for the last 15 games of the season where they have no chance of making the playoffs. Dom Lecision posted an article today on The Athletic about how the NBA sits their players a lot, how the Toronto Raptors sat Kawhi Leonard for 20-something games or whatever the year they won the NBA championship. And the NHL does not do that. And maybe they should. And it I, it was funny because I was thinking about the Logan Couture thing actually even before I read that article. And the first thing I thought to myself when I read the first paragraph was, why would the Sharks bring back Logan Couture and subject him to additional stress on a very sensitive place that is key on being able to play hockey well? I don't know why the Sharks would even consider bringing him back at this point. Thoughts about that? Um, I don't see... I can't make a... Um, a case for the benefit to it. Like, I, I don't see the benefit. I agree with you. I think this is a lost season. Um, and bringing him back prematurely and risking uh, him to further injury and having him being unavailable next season early on is doesn't make a lot of sense. So um, will they bring him back? I don't know. You know, like you said, hockey's a different sport, different kind of player, different breed. He may force his way back into the lineup, but the shark should tell him no thanks, sit out, um, and get get ready for next year and not risk further injury to their captain. So um I don't think he's I I I well, I don't know. Who knows, dude? There's been some weird stuff this year. Um I hope he doesn't come back. I don't think he should. I think they should they should they should hang him up. Yeah, they should hang him up because you, if you're playing for next season and that's what the Sharks seem to be doing, why would you put a very important player, maybe the most important player actually on the roster now that we've lost another defenseman and we need and we do need scoring, maybe he's the most important guy on the roster right now, you know, not only as the captain but as an offensive force. And I don't know why you would put that at risk, but actually I'd be really surprised if he doesn't come back. Cause that just seems to be how it works in the NHL. It's like, okay, I'm physically able to play just like the, in retrospect, ridiculous thing that Eric Carlson did last year, where he had this groin injury, came back and played like one game and then hurt himself again and was out forever. You know, it just, it seems so foolish in retrospect and, and at least with the benefit of retrospect and, and, and Couture could be the same situation. <laughs> if I were them, I'd be like, take an extra, you know, couple months, just, you know, just be real healthy. Don't don't need to rush it. But I'm sure you know he's a motivated professional athlete. He's going to want to come back. And and the hockey culture is that you let him. So who knows what's going to happen? But that was just something I was thinking about as well. Dude, is there anything to look forward to? <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, here's something to look forward to. I want I, I want to play a little game with you. I all right. I want you to say. Um, I want you to respond with with either. Um, here or gone. Okay. Sure. After the trade deadline. Yep. Kevin LeBanc. He's here, here or gone. Here. Joe Thornton. Here. Melker Carlson. Here. Wow. Patrick Marlowe. Here. 
<laughs> Aaron Dell. Here. Will the Sharks make any more trades, dude? I think they might, but but uh, it might be for, for picks and the salary stuff, like you mentioned. That's an interesting idea. Um, it just doesn't seem like they're going to get anything. We talked about it last week. They're, they're not going to get a lot for for some of those players that you mentioned. And if they can hold on to them for very little money, you might as well do that. Unless they really have said, okay, these are players we can no longer use at all. Because I just don't see any return for any of those guys. If you can trade Brent Burns, okay, you know, I wouldn't, I'd say he's still going to be here just because the chances of a team coming, you know, and the Sharks coming together for a deal is, is the chance of that are very low. But those, those sort of guys that you mentioned, I just don't see like a compelling reason to get rid of them. And I mean, you're going to play Martin Jones down the stretch. Goodness. Well, Martin Jones, the, the, the shutout goalie. <laughs> right. One, one shutout. Dude, I, I was, this was interesting. I looked at this, dude, you know, in, in 2020, Aaron Dells played 14 games and he has a save percentage of 916 and a goals allowed of 2.71, dude. So if those were his stats for the whole year, uh, out of NHL goalies who have played 20 over 20 games, he'd rank 21st in goals allowed behind color Connor Hellebuck and in front of Linus Olmark. And in save percentage, he'd be tied at 18th with Tomas Grice and Philip Grubauer. Is this good enough, dude? Uh, good enough. Who knows? I mean, it's it's what you could expect. It league average. That's league average. It is. It's league average. So so let's look at Martin Jones's stats in our Stanley Cup year. He had a nine eighteen save percentage and a two point two seven goals allowed during the season. And then in the Cup run, he had, he had a nine twenty three save percentage and a two point one six goals allowed. That was during our Cup run season. And then the next year in the playoffs, Martin Jones had a 9.35 save percentage and a 1.75 goals allowed in our first round loss. And in the next season, in our second round loss to Vegas, Martin Jones had a 2.26 goals allowed and a 9.28 save percentage. Last year in the playoffs, Martin Jones had an 8.98 save percentage and a 3.02 Goals allowed. Ouch. Yikes. So, but you look at the stats from Martin Jones in his Sharks heyday, right? Um, You know, his first year with the team, you know, Dell is close in save percentage and not close in goals allowed. Like a full half goal higher. Well, the the defense is just worse. I think that's that's one big part of it. Is the defense is just worse, and and it's just it's just not easy to find a good goaltender anymore. It's just not easy to do that. I I don't know who you get to to take up the slack here, but uh, I don't think Martin Jones is it. And Aaron Dell, well, Aaron Dell at a minimum at a Aaron Dell at a minimum salary is fine. That's that's all I can say. Well, that's why we have Doug Wilson Jr. to figure these things out. <laughs> I'm sure he's thrilled with our goaltending, actually. Dude, here's how I want to end this, dude. I was in Disneyland over the weekend. Maybe you know, and maybe some of the listeners know. I love Disneyland. Family loves Disneyland. I got to go on the new Star Wars ride, dude, Rise of the Resistance. Was it awesome? Yes. 
It was. You. It looked like you were thinking about that for a second. No. No, it was really good. No. It is awesome. It is super awesome. And the way you get on that ride is that like at eight o'clock, you have to press this button that says join a boarding group, which is basically you entering a lottery with 50,000 other maniacs who are standing on Main Street trying to get on this ride, right? Wow. And, you know, the ride capacity for the day is around 15,000. So you do the math, dude. That's like, what, a 30% chance of getting on the ride, dude? Yeah, yeah. We got on the ride. Nice. I, I celebrated with, I was shaking afterwards when I won because the guy next to me did not. And it was, you know, it's just a straight up lottery. You could be there waiting for an hour to press the button and you could have walked in one minute before and press the button and be the one who got it and the one who didn't. So uh felt pretty fortunate to get on the ride. It was really fun, dude. I think even you would like it. I'm sure I would, dude. And congratulations on your win. I'm sure. Thank uh, you, dude. It uh, at least someone won around here. Yeah, at least someone won some around here. I I I was going to look at the games coming up, but and then I just thought to myself, who cares? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude. Well, I, I want to be a loyal fan, but honestly, I don't know if we're really caring about results from here on out. It doesn't really matter how the sharks do or don't. Well, do. we're caring about development. I think. I mean, I I would like to see. You know, and it's unfortunate because I think that Bob Bugner is coaching for his job. So I don't know that he's going to be willing to play Alexander True 16 minutes a night. Like, I just don't think he's going to be willing to do that because he has no job security. He needs to demonstrate that he can win in order to keep this job, right? So um, I feel bad for him. And I think that that could actually work against the Sharks player development because... He might be so focused on trying to win games. Dude, we need to talk about Evander Kane. We do? Oh, the yeah, suspension. Dude. Yeah, sure. It's his suspension and his rant on Twitter. We're, run, I think we'll we're running a little more. long here, dude, quickly. What do we got? Dude, well, I mean, I, what do you think? I mean, where do you fall with Evander Kane's rant? So I think, I think there's two sides to this. I, I think of it in two different ways, which may or may not be compatible. One is that I think he has a point in that you see hits around the league all the time that are as bad or worse than the hit he put on and he gets suspended for it and these other guys don't even get a penalty, much less a suspension. And there's been some I've seen even in the past few days that are clearly worse and nothing happens. So on that, I think he has a point. On the other hand, I think like Tom Wilson and some other players in the NHL, it's pretty clear the NHL has it out for these guys. Now, you can have a, an opinion, very strong, that it's fair or not fair, that this is, in fact, the case. But it is the case. And you have to play accordingly. And I think Rafi Torres basically had that problem as well. He had this, this situation where he had a, a, a terrible reputation. And if he did something even close to the borderline, then he was going to get dinged by the league very harshly. And... I think Evander Kane doesn't have that reputation, but he has a reputation at this point. He's been suspended before. And certainly the thing with the referee, I don't think the, the NHL is inclined to be charitable towards him. So I think he needs to play with that in mind. And it may not be fair, but that's what it is. You got to keep yourself in the lineup. 
if you're a, an important player, and he's a very important player for the Sharks, you have to play accordingly. And I don't know how you strike that balance between playing aggressively and, and, and being careful and all those things, and I'm sure that's difficult. But I think he gets paid a lot of money to find where that line is and play it. And you can't get suspended all the time. It's just not good. It's not good business. It's not good for you or your career or for your team. So I understand the frustration, but I think he's got to find a way around it. That's all. Yeah, and this is a guy who is a cornerstone of this franchise, whether we like it or not. So, um, dude, <laughs> got some long days ahead. We'll see what the Sharks are going to be up to over the next week at the trade deadline, if there's going to be any surprises up Doug Wilson's sleeve, and what Doug Wilson Jr. will say next. Do we want to record again before the deadline, dude, or do we want to wait till after Monday? Maybe we'll do mon- next Monday night after the yeah, deadline. Yeah, let's wait. Let's wait till after the deadline and react. Reaction next week. All right. All right, dude. Talk to you then. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.